All right, what is going on, everyone? Welcome to another Tuesday Night Live here at the Serious Angler Podcast. Tonight we have an awesome guest. We're bringing back our good friend, Destin DeMarion. As you can tell, it is just I, the captain, Andrew Full tonight. Bailey is down in Alabama at Lake Eufaula practicing and getting ready for his Hobie kayak series on Lake Eufaula. And um, I was talking to him earlier today. And I think he's having more fun chasing the gators around than he is catching bass. But um, I think he's got a little deal he's figured out, so it's pretty exciting. Hopefully he does well. So this week, you guys are stuck with me, and I apologize. I'm the one who's running the social media, so if it seems kind of funky, that is why. Um, Next thing up, uh, guiding for me is going to start here in the next few days. And... uh, We're pretty much booked all the way through the end of June at this point. So it's going to be pretty busy if you are looking to book a guide trip with me personally. um, We're going to be looking July through October. But also Destin, who we are going to have on tonight, is also a guide on out of Presque Isle Bay in Erie, Pennsylvania. So if you guys also want to book a trip with him, that is something that you are able to do. But without further ado, let's get Destin on here. What's up, dude? How are hey, you? Hey, what's up, buddy? It's been a long time. Yeah, too long, especially in person. You got to get back up here and we'll eat some chicken wings. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe next week, hopefully. Yeah, if if you do next week, uh, we should plan Thursday because that's my day off next week. Perfect. Yeah, so. I will keep that in mind. Yeah, so let's let's make it happen. So, um, yeah, so man, what's going on this year? How's uh, 2022 going for you so far? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of been a slow start to the tournament fishing side of things. Um, guide stuff is, is pretty much booked up until the summertime. I really don't have anything till July open, um, unless somebody, you know, cancels their weather or something, but yeah, it's, it's kind of not what how I want, wanted to tournament wise so far. We still got a few events, so, you know, it's not really how you start, it's how you finish and, you know even though it started kind of poorly for me, unfortunately, you know, I want to keep, keep that momentum going in the forward direction, you know, in the next three events, which we're going to Oneida soon, you know, a couple of months is the next event. So a little bit closer to home and, you know, fish there quite a bit. So hopefully we can have one of those good tournaments because Oneida is, is pretty stingy. It's like a place like the James river where you can do good or, or do bad, even if you know what you're doing. So no, Oneida, is that the 4th of July weekend? It is, like yeah. Weekend it's, that, oh, it's going to be a zoo. <laughs> that is um, some poor planning, if you ask me. I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that lake that weekend. Yeah, it's, that's probably what I'll be showing up to. So oh. it'll be a, a wild scene out there, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, what What is like the big boat race they have out there all the time with like the huge fountain boats and stuff? Oh, no. I, I don't even know. But I don't think I've ever been there that time of year. You, so you've never know. been there when they do like the 600 boat race and they're all mm-hmm. like fountain boats? Yeah, it's no. not fun. <laughs> the no, entire lake is a boat wake. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, joy. Yeah, let's That'll hope that us stays away. Wonderful. <laughs> so yes, maybe it'll be raining or something. Yeah, fingers crossed, right? <laughs> Even though I fished a tournament there, I think like eight years ago, and it was like downpouring rain, and they still ran that like whatever really? that boat races. Yeah, and you could hear them coming from 
we were down like by Lewis Point area, like way yeah. down east yeah. on the lake, and you could hear them coming for like three miles. And we're like, oh boy, this ain't good. <laughs> I've, I've seen those other places, but I don't think I've ever seen that when I've been in Oneida. So, yeah, I'm, I'm about to, though, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully it's not that weekend. I don't think they do it all the time, but it seemed like every time I went there, it happened. No, if Maybe it was like even a weekday Day weekend. weekend, they'll do it. And yeah, who July. knows? Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Um, stay on the boat. That's all I can say is the best advice. But uh, you've been pretty busy f- working some fishing shows too, right? Down at Susquehanna and then yeah. the Classic and any other one. You're at the Columbus show too, right? Yeah, How are all those? Columbus group for a day. Yep. Just working for Phoenix and Cashin at a few different shows and stuff. The Classic's always really fun. The other ones are good too, but. I just love the classic. I mean, I'd much rather be fishing it, but it's just cool because you can see everybody from all over in one place. And, and it's just great for, you know, networking and just catching up with, you know, people. And it's a great place to, you know, build build sponsor relations too. So, I mean, it's a great, great opportunity. And actually before the classic and kind of simultaneously, I was doing a lot of uh, customer trips for DuraEdge because we have a lot of customers down in that area. Um, so we went to like Kiwi, you know, a few days and, mm-hmm. and caught some really nice spotted bass, which was fun. And then I've been doing a lot more of those trips, uh, intermittently when I'm in traveling. So we've had some good trips with, uh, you know, some college, uh, guys, um, pro guys, all, you know, all over the Southeast. Now, let me ask you this one and you can refuse the answer. Do you like doing those trips more or actual guide trips? Hmm. That's close. I mean, those are, I have to say those just because it's like almost always somewhere I have no understanding of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just going fishing some random place that I don't know anything about. So just getting to try to learn about it really quick and get up to speed and, and uh, it makes it more fun. And it's yeah. just cool because it's usually only one, it's either one guy, maybe two guys a lot of times. So it's really, you know, personal. I can go you know, hang out on the boat and, and get to know, you know, people really well and in a very, um, you know, fun environment, at least, at least for yeah. me, I think everybody pretty, pretty much enjoys it. It's just such a chill way to go out and hang out. And you also get to uh, cook some hamburgers and hot dogs for the crew members. <laughs> don't you usually like, yeah, like a yeah. cookout I, master I've done, chef. A couple, I've done a couple of those this year. Um, I've done a lot more fishing trips than those, but I've I've done a lot of those cookouts. My my grill has got quite a few miles on it since oh. we started doing that. It's been it's been about four years since we started doing that, I think. So yeah. it's been pretty cool. I mean, I've gotten to know a lot of people, have a lot of really uh, good relationships, you know, yeah. in the groundskeeping sports turf world, which is is really fun because I mean, those guys are very much like us in the same sense that. We just all love the outdoors. We like working outdoors. We're not generally the office life is not, you know, for most of you know us, but you know, it's it's a good time and it, with a lot of like minded people. Yep. And that's the best part. And you get to see a lot of really cool places as well and go in and out of awesome stadiums. Which oh I think gosh. is the part I'm most envious about is some of those baseball fields, people don't realize how like intricate and beautiful they are on the inside 
So well, you guys have a nice one right there. I mean, the Bison, yeah. Buffalo Bison is a really nice stadium, and I'm I'm good friends with with Cal. I've taken him fishing a couple times, and I probably might take him. I'm just thinking about taking him next week. We were talking about it, so um, yeah, I've got to see the Bison Stadium is really nice. I've been so many like MLB stadiums, minor league, you know, colleges. It's a lot of stadiums I never would have seen if I okay. wasn't wasn't doing this. So it, it's been a really nice byproduct of it all there's no question it's a great experience so like well we can digress here and now we'll jump into the topic of the show which is uh spring fishing and the great lakes and the bays and like progression of fish and how we catch them so as you know it's coming into spring here now like post winter pattern so as the fish are pulling out of the deep abyss of the great lakes what would you say is your favorite way to target them? And where do you look first? Man, <clears throat> favorite way is kind of a tie. I mean, I think you would agree after getting on the blade bait thing that that is one of the most fun ways to catch them in those cold Too water months. Yeah. And it's not just pigeonholed to, you know, the cold water time, but that's definitely when it shines. And that jigging, jigging that blade and it just stops and just, wrenching back on it that's a fun bite that's definitely how i like to target them right off the get-go mm-hmm. one of the best ways to catch them when the water's still really cold uh, up until they start kind of getting real active um but the other way would be a jerk bait and it's it's similar you know you kind of go into jerk it and you just feel a fish pull back on it and it's yeah. it's, a, it's also an equally fun bite but um yeah, I, I think, like I said, the blade bait thing kind of starts first. Um, mm-hmm. We, so like Andy, we were just talking about it, you know, before the show. Um, like it, a big problem we have is the water is really muddy on the lake a lot of times this year because mm-hmm. of the wind. So where I live, we have Presque Isle Bay, which is just a peninsula surrounds an area of water. And it's only got a small opening on the east side of it. So it's very protected. That's where a lot of the fish come to spawn from the lake. So there's a mass, you know, migration there. So they're pretty much there right off the get-go. And it's a lot shallower than the, you know, the average depth on the lake, per se. Mm -hmm. It stays cleaner because those winds generally don't um, affect it quite as much. So they're they're pushing in there. They're going to start out deep, too. I mean, that's when you're catching them on that blade bait. They're, they're working their way. We've got the chute, which they keep a dredge section of it for shipping. Um, they're coming through there. It's a stopping and going point. They're, they're always, you know, moving through there at that, you know, until, you know, summertime, basically. And, uh, that's that's kind of the migration route you want to follow them. I mean, they're you can catch them out in 20 feet, you know, 25 feet early on, and then, you just kind of follow them onto those shallower flats where they're going to spawn, really. Yeah, and I agree. You guys are lucky with Presque Isle Bay and the fact that you're pretty protected. Up here in Buffalo, we just have a couple break walls with a lot of current. Yes. So if we get any wind on the main lake and, like, the creeks flowing in, because I think there's, like, 15 creeks that dump in. So we've had, like, this mass influx of rain and snow in the last week, and then – 40 50 mile an hour west winds so our shoreline is all torn up but like in your situation inside the bay the water stays clear but each break wall entrance that we have and i think we have like four 
prominent ones, it mm-hmm. all sucks in or sucks out. So the like the mud just like circulates around. And I drove by there today, and there was two areas of green water, and they were in six inches of water next to the beaches. I was like, "Yep, yeah. I'm not going to be catching a bass anytime soon." No, it doesn't sound <laughs> like it. No, I mean, it's, but it's a similar situation where you guys live because you do have the harbor and it's protected mm-hmm. by the walls. But yeah, that current with the river mouth, it's not doing you favors there because it's circulating it into there and, and making all that muddy water. Cause we don't really have, we don't have that. I mean, other than wind driven, you know, we'll get some current. If we're going to backflow there, if it pushes hard in or pushes hard out or whatever, um, you know, it'll come back in, but. It, there's only like one small tributary in Prescott, very small creek. It doesn't, you know, do enough. It can't do enough damage. Yeah, you're lucky. Um, so, what spring, would you? Yes. Yeah. What would you say is the like prime water temp for that blade bait to kick off where you're at down in Erie? Where I'm at in Buffalo, I know it's just kind of starting now at like that 40 degree mark. We yeah. just hit 40. So, is that similar? It is. It's very much. I like 40. I've caught them. I've caught them in the mid to upper thirties, but it's just not, they're super lethargic at that point. Usually once the water dips below 40, it's kind of hit and miss um, as far as just activity level with the fish. But yeah, once we hit 40, it starts getting good. And, and that's the other thing about Prescott. Like I said, it's a little bit shallower and there's a lot of bays, you know, on the great lakes that are, are similar to that. Mm-hmm. They warm up quicker. So whatever the lake temperature is, the bay is going to be at least a few degrees warmer than that. Um, yeah. Just because it's shallow, a lot of dark bottom bays in it that are going to warm up super quick. Not a lot of, you know, like you said, I mean, you guys have a lot of current and different things going. We don't have as much of that other than wind driven. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, that's the crazy part is like Presque Isle is relatively shallow. All the bays on my part of the lake are virtually deep like they're they have three to four foot on them but they drop instantly into like 30 foot like 15 to 100 yards away from the shoreline in spots right so it's crazy how much different like the bays are but yours is more natural right Presque Isle is a natural bay as to where Buffalo is a man-made harbor with breakwalls so well I don't think you could get into Presque Isle if they didn't man-made you know manually dredge it every year yeah i think it would have ultimately just silted itself around and in and then the bay would have silted in for the most part if they didn't keep it open um but i mean i'm not complaining it's it's really nice because it's created a really good spawning area for the fish that's consistent the water can get somewhat dirty but usually it's it's much clearer than the lake at this time of year because the lake's just getting pounded Mm-hmm. wind so virtually like off of this conversation you're talking about jerk bait so if somebody wanted to come to lake erie and they were going to let's say like the indiana ohio section or even michigan where it dumps into lake erie since mm-hmm. those bays over there that's a shallower warmer basin those people that go to fish that area might be more inclined to throw a jerk bait first it would be my impression because it's shallower water right yeah, so, it very well could be. I mean, we catch them on a jerk bait pretty quickly. Um, I think a lot of the fish, even if it's cold, they they move up quick, and they're mm-hmm. just it's just based on where the bait is. 
and uh, you know that bait will start moving up quickly, and they're they're coming to them. And uh, I mean, you can catch them, you know, less than fifteen feet pretty quickly. You know, yeah. and, I, and I'm sure that's very similar. <clears throat> I know even some of the tributaries um, on other parts of the lake, like where they start moving up in those rivers and, and like things staging. like that. Yeah, really quick. And uh, a lot of those rivers are getting, you know, some warmer runoff. It's probably warming up those those places hmm. quickly. And, and the, the bait's going in there, a lot of nutrients coming being washed in. So, I mean, the smallmouth are – I mean, you know, just as I know, those suckers just move on you. And the reason being is a lot of times they're just relating to bait. They're moving. Yeah. They're following them. Wherever the biggest concentration of bait is, they're going to be following them. And uh, this is a normal migration. Look at, I mean, the walleye, a lot of them are coming in the tributaries to spawn and stuff. A small mouth will go in there to spawn somewhat too. Um, but a lot of it's just following the food. Yeah. It's crazy. Like the Emerald Shiner is such an integral part of the bay fish system in mm-hmm. the Great Lakes and Lake Erie or Alawise, whatever. It's funny. As soon as like, cause I'm a big steelhead fisherman, right? As soon as I see any type of minnow action at the mouth of the creeks that move in like that first quarter mile, I'm like within any day, the smallmouth are going to be here and they always show up. Right, like within I mean, a day. They're following that bait, same. Yep. So yeah, they th- just always want to eat. They do, and <clears throat> that's what makes them so frustrating sometimes. Because a lot of times that bait's just moving, you know, with the wind and and all that, mm-hmm. and it's hard to really stay with them per se, um, because it is just more about just where the bait's going, and if it's a flat or something like that, they could be anywhere on that flat. I mean, obviously paying attention to the wind direction is going to help get you closer to them, you know, but, but there's places that, you know, they, they might stop, but aren't necessarily going to stay, you know, and, and depending on where the bait is, it's going to scatter them around and move them around a little bit. So it, it can, I mean, it's basically this in the fall, fish are concentrating. However, if you could go out there and not do good, just based on bait moving, et cetera, but, you could also run into a mother load of fish. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the time of year. If you catch one, there's almost always plenty more with it. Yeah, I agree. Now, like a surprise bait, and it, it might not even be like a surprise, right? As soon as the ice comes off the lake, what would you say is the number one bait to catch? Hold on. Did, could you hear me okay there? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, sorry. So what would you say is the number one bait to catch a smallmouth on from like 36 to 40 degree water. I'm, I'm curious that that's outside of blade bait. I know what my guess uh, is. Not a blade my bait? First choice. Not a blade bait. I know what my choice is. So I'm, I'm going to say if... a net or a Demiki. Yeah. I've, yeah. As soon as the ice comes off the lake, the first bait I always throw is a net rig. Just net because. So good. It's a do-nothing bait. It mimics a goby really well, and those gobies in that cold water do not move. Yeah, very true. And, and another thing, too, like when you get up shallow that I found, and a lot of people don't realize that crawfish don't truly hibernate, and I realized this hmm. this past winter. I was uh, steelhead fishing in January on one of our local creeks, and 
I see this giant soft shell crawfish walking around on the bank. And I was like, there's no way the water is 32 degrees. And sure enough, I flipped over a rock and there was like four more. Wow. So up shallow, I'm thinking like some of my first fish I catch around the Harbor are in like two to five foot of water on a Ned rig on like a sun beaten bank. And I know that there's, there's obviously gobies there, but I've seen crawfish there before as well. So I'm like, I think that's underestimated, honestly, how much crawfish are still a part of that whole chain. Because, yeah. I mean, before the gobies, that was pretty much what they're feeding on. Yeah. I mean, to the extent they're feeding on gobies now. And uh, they're still in here. And they definitely still are part of that smallmouth uh, diet. There's no question. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes I think more than others, like they're, they're keen on them. Mm-hmm. It's funny, the one thing like, and now we're kind of talking like spring fishing here. But the one thing I have learned to do is look, because when you catch spring smallmouth in a pre-spawn, they're poop, right? Like if they're goby eaters, their poop tends to be like a grayish brown. If they're yeah. eating crawfish, they'll get tints of green and orange in it. And Yeah, I've, when, I've noticed the, the orange definitely with the crawfish. So and, when I catch... Sometimes how their mouths are too. They're more beat mm-hmm. up when they're eating crawdads a lot of yeah. times. They got to get them out of those sharp rocks. Mm-hmm. And that's what keyed me in into the crawfish, like the Ned Rig bite super shallow. I think it was like two or three years ago because I caught one on a swim bait, just slowly rolling a swim bait. But I hooked it on the outside of the jaw, like it just mm-hmm. swiped at it and he pooped all over my deck. And I was like, oh, you little jerk. So I throw him back and I look at him like, that looks like crawfish poop. So I tied up a Ned rig and threw it in there next cast. And I caught like 13, 14 fish in a row. And I was like, ah, well, and that's when the light bulb went off. I think you guys have a really, really prevalent crawfish um, population, especially with the river there. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what keeps it so good around the mouth of that. Yep. I, I would agree with that. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've thrown fish in my life while fishing a river derby and all that's in there is crawfish crawl, like craws in my life. Well, no remnants of gobies whatsoever. Yeah. I think those river fish are definitely, you know, keen on, they'll eat everything, but I think the crawdads are way bigger part of their diet than just the lake dwellers. Yeah. I, I see that thousand islands too. You will see that. And you can tell too, by like the way the fish is, designed and shaped right the crawfish eaters tend to be longer and more slender because they're current driven fish or they're more pelagic and then your big bulbous gobiitis fat slobs otherwise yeah. they're just chowing on the gobies and they're all like gonna the die ones we like, caught a couple falls ago oh, that, that, that picture you guys just posted for for the show <laughs> i was like dude those fish were just absurdly fat like that yeah. was insane what do we think we had when we came in? Like 25, 26 pounds. It's like, it's like, um, there's, yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. I was I think like, oh. probably had like 26, maybe. It's like, oh gosh. <laughs> when we pulled them out, we're like, like, that was still like that day I will never forget. It was so, oh, heck fun. no. Well, the other time before that, you and I fished, we finished second to Jeff on four and yeah. Brad, of course. Yeah. And they stand back till the end. We had the lead until they came, and I knew yeah. they had. 26 or seven or whatever, but yeah, we uh, have like 
25 and a half or 26. Yeah, but when we came in, I was like, oh, we're going to get smoked, dude. We got like 22 pounds. And you're like, no, I think we got more than that. We had like a six and like 25 something. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess we did. Yeah, and they squeaked us out for Lunker by like a half an ounce. Yep. <laughs> so it was funny. So now we're out of like the winter stage, right? And now we're moving up into the true pre-spawn. Yeah. These fish are up. And I know my favorite way to catch them, and I'm—I think I know yours—and it's a jerk bait. So, oh, yeah. if you had to work through like an arsenal of jerk baits, and where you're targeting these fish, how do you start with that jerk bait? Do you go shallow? Are you looking for like a point, an underwater point? Are you looking for a flat? How do you target these fish with we that? We have jerk a lot, bait? like in Presque Isle. I mean, that's where my frame of reference is, and the lake too. It's just a lot of flats. I mean, most of it's just flat. And, and in Presque Isle, I mean, the flats are shallow. It's just sandy bottom, and it's a very, very slow taper out. So, I mean, like I was saying about the bait, they could be anywhere in those flats. So, a lot of the times it is relatively shallow fishing because um, I, I generally consider shallow less than 20 feet. And that's that's based on the lake you know, because usually in the spring, once it clears up, you can see almost 20 feet down. Yeah, so that's 100%. shallow for me, you know, and, and I know it gets that clear where you're at too. So I'm really just, I like to start deeper, especially once colder and just see if they're, you know, wadded up there and they'll eat a jerk bait. But I oftentimes find myself going in a little bit shallower, even when it's still cold and, and finding them, you know, in less than, you know, 15 feet, you know, less than 10 sometimes. It just depends on, uh, you know, the water temp and stuff. But, I mean, they're obviously coming there. So as it gets closer to the spawn, they're obviously pretty shallow. A lot of them are. And uh, I just kind of – that's the progression. I'll start, you know, where I've been catching them on a blade just a little bit around those areas if I can get a jerk bait down. And there's some jerk baits like now um, – well, you can do it with any jerk bait, honestly, but, like, that the new Berkeley one, the Stunna, it's mm-hmm. a slow sinker. So even with your your live, your active target, whatever you're using, I use active target, but you can see it slow sinking. You can get it down to a deeper depth and fish it, you know, pretty effectively down in that depth range, even with one that's not like a Mega Bass Plus Two, which it's a good bait. It gets down deeper, but with that large bill, it kind of kills the action of it. Um, yeah, I, I've got a smaller bill. You can fish it. It's going to look a lot more natural. It's going to get give you a better action than, you know, the plus two. Plus one doesn't really kill the action too much. But, I mean, you can take a shallower jerkbait and weight it, you know, with bigger hooks. Mm-hmm. Or people use lead strips, whatever, you suspend dots. And you just get it to slow sink and you can get it down there deeper. It, it's funny that you brought up the plus two and – Last year, I threw it for the first time because it came out, what, last year, I think? right? Yeah, either last year or the year before. And it's funny with that bait. You can't fish it traditionally like you would with a jerk bait and hit it. It's more of like a sweep. It's a sweeper. Mm -hmm. Like You have to like change your jerk bait angle the way you're hitting the rod to get that bait to like pull. And what it does when you pull at the end of it, you can give it just a little tap and that it will like pull and then just turn slightly. Like it's not a very erratic bait. No, you get the fish it on super light line. I, uh, I don't like it. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not one that I generally reach in the box for very much, especially just the fact that you can weight them and, and do what you need to do to get them deeper in other ways and still <laughs> keep that action of it. So, so here's a question real fast from bootleg bass fishing. Have you tried the 13 fishing loco special? Well, I know Andy's answer to that because we were just talking about that. I personally have not. Andy just had some pretty good luck with that one. Well, I um I actually didn't have personal luck. I went fishing with a buddy, two buddies. Oh, he's the one that caught him? Or they yeah, my him? buddy Andy absolutely schwacked us with that 13 loco special. And his direct quote was, I only like the shallow one. I can't catch him on the deep one. But I, I will tell you. Um, there you go. He took me to school on a jerkbait. I think he caught like nine to one in like 10 casts. It can be like that. Like jerkbait fishing, there's such intricacies to it that, I mean, that's how it could be. You can be in the boat with somebody fishing the exact same spot and you're catching them when they're not. Like it can be like that very much so. And on Prescott, I've seen it a lot. Yeah. I think jerkbaits is one of those few techniques that, on certain days, the certain bait, the certain color, certain line, like line size is going to get, get outbit over anything else. It, it's oh, yeah. kind of surreal. Like, if yeah, you I, I see it a lot because color. I get to fish with what I'm guiding and stuff or just fishing with my friends. I usually want to throw something different just to see. And sometimes, you know, a buddy or something will throw something I'm like, yeah, that doesn't look very good. That's not going to work. And it'll catch them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's just based on, you know, them not seeing it as much, um, it getting, staying shallower, getting a little bit deeper, something of that nature, just having a more muted action or a more aggressive action. Those little things, you know, depending on the day can make a big difference. I definitely tweak colors and uh, the action on, on the jerk baits quite a bit. Yeah, it's with smallmouth too, like particularly I found like three colors work really well. Something that's really shiny and metallic, like the was it GG Deadly Black Shad, I really like that color yeah, for smallmouth. Yep. Then like an albino pearl white. Yep. And then just something really off the wall like a western clown. Like if I had three jerkbait colors, those would be the three that I go with. It, uh, I usually I like the albino. I like a translucent one. Mm-hmm. I want something really translucent that they're not going to get a good look at when it's the water's really clear or it's like not blowing that hard when it's tough to get a jerk bait bite. And then, um, you know, then I'll just try some crazy like you were saying. I'll just try some some weird colors and occasionally. But those two, I pretty much just flip flop between that. Yeah, I I'm, I lied there real fast. I apologize. One of the other colors I really like too is Ido Natural on the one ten, like mm-hmm. that color for whatever reason. Last year, that's all they would eat, besides the Western Clown. And I know nobody up here throws Western Clown on a jerk bait, especially the Mega Bass one. And you'd be surprised; it's actually quite translucent. The the Western is, Clown one. It is, yeah, really? with that big bright red head, and they always get it head first, like in their throat. Every time they're keen on on the red, yeah, and it's very, very translucent and it has really good reflection underneath the water. So, oh, Ryan Hartman says, What's up? Hey, Ryan, what's up, buddy? And and then he got mad because nobody responded. That's funny, but uh, 
Yeah, but uh, Jim we're Johnson deep in jerk bait conversation. Yes, Jim Johnson has a great point here. Biggest thing is line diameter, and I think this is a very under talked about part of line because if you go to the store right and you pick four different boxes of fluorocarbon in the same line, like pound test, all four of them could have a different line diameter. So like hundred percent trilene or to like a Sunline FC sniper. The one could almost be like 14 pound test, even though it's 10. And the other one might be like seven pound test, even though it's 10. So that's something that we really have to pay attention to when you are line shopping is to make sure you're getting that line that you want because that FC sniper might cause that bait to run deeper. Mm -hmm. And then the Berkeley trialing hundred percent, which is a thicker gauge 10 pound, that bait is going to run higher in the water column. So just stuff to look out for. And I feel like that's a very underlooked part of line shopping. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and I'll I'll say a little thing that I learned from from Hank Cherry when I, I travel with him because obviously he's the jerk bait master. He almost solely only jerks with 15 pound. That's all he uses. But like we were talking about earlier, you're you're adjusting how deep that bait goes based on the weight of your hooks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a heavier hook in the front, back, you know, how it's going to sit in the water, et cetera. Like there's a lot of intricacies that I won't get into. But he – we we kind of disagree on this. Like um, he just solely does 15, and it definitely works for him. I mean, look. Um, but yeah. I mix it up a lot. I, I'd go anywhere from 8 to 12. But I 12-pound, like Andy was just saying, I use Gamma Edge. 12 pound edge is probably equivalent to what he's thrown, you know, diameter wise with 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's why I would go to the same too. I mean, I have jerked on that heavier line too, if I'm fishing shallower and it, and it works fine too. But the other thing to consider when you're using heavier line is you're muting the action of your bait. So when you're using that lighter line, it's allowing it to, to, to just glide more naturally and, and, you know, hunt and do all that stuff. But when you are going heavier line, it just kind of just lessens the side to side, lessens the action just a little bit. And sometimes you want that. Um, but, but I, I mix it up just based on, you know, the action I want to get it. Now. So now we're, we're still on this jerk bait talk real fast, kind of walk through what your rod and reel setup would be. Cause I think we're very similar in this, yeah, but I know sure. you can be anywhere from like a six foot, four or five rod what like mega bass makes and then some people are like i gotta throw it on a seven foot five spinning rod so what does yeah destin demarion use for all around jerk bait fishing for smallmouth? yeah i don't i think this is a very wide like range of of options that could work you know and there is people that throw on a spinning rod. I'm like, what are you doing? But it works for them. And, mm-hmm. and you can make that work. When I started out, I threw it on jerk or on a spinner rod. Cause I didn't know how to use a bait caster. I mean, that was only like 12 years ago. I didn't know how to use a bait caster. Um, but now I'm pretty dialed into what I use. And I very much prefer a bait caster a, because when I set the hook, the line's not slipping and uh, B I just have much more control with that winch of a reel to do what i need to do and and fight them and stuff but i'm pretty much i use a six foot nine to a seven foot rod i don't like to go over seven because 
this is also a height thing. So I'm like six, six foot, six one. And anything bigger than a seven foot, it's hard to keep it from hitting the water when you're jerking with it. So I don't want my rod hitting the water, inhibiting, you know, the action and the cadence, et cetera. So that, that six foot nine, six ten, that range is really good. I, I like depending on what company you use, I'm, I use Cashins. Uh, they've got good topwater jerk bait rods in the Icon series. I use the six nine medium heavy. It's an extra fast, so it recoils really quickly. But it's got a good good taper on it, so it allows me to get those little jerks without pulling the bait because there's enough you know tip to it, mm-hmm. um, enough flex. But then when that fish bites, you're able to react fairly quickly. Like I tried over the years using glass rods, you know, cranking type rods. There's not enough feel to me. Composites are good, um, but pretty much graphite. Graphite is the best use sensitivity and stuff. But you need that that good taper of like a medium to medium heavy rod, depending on what company. Because some companies mediums are a medium heavy. Some people's medium heavy are basically a medium in my you know world. But yeah, um, that having that extra fast recoil with with that one that has a good kind of taper to it. That's that's really what I like. And then, uh, what gear ratio reel are you using? Fast, fast. Always eight to I one. Eight, eight to one. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that completely. Eight to one all day. Same same reason as the extra fast. I want to be able to react. Yep. I want that reaction. I want to be able to pick up line because a lot of times you're twitching slack. I, that's something I was taking guys out. We were fishing on Smith Mountain Lake, and a lot of times when I'm taking out people for dirt edge, people that don't fish a ton even when I'm guiding and I was paying attention because I was getting a ton of bites on jerk bait, be it striper or bass, whatever. And the, the one guy I was like, here, dude, throw jerk bait. Like you need to throw this. And uh, he was throwing it, not getting bit. I, st- I kept getting bit. My buddy in the back was getting bit. And, um, you know, I was like watching him and I was like, he's jerking tension. So he's mm-hmm. keeping his line tight. So it's advancing the bait and it's killing the action. You just twitch. With the slack in your line, it's going to just make that bait dart, 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 and not like pulling it, you know, far. You know, you're keeping it in that same same place. It's going to stay in that fish's face, especially when they're lethargic and the water's cold. That's really important to be twitching yeah. that slack. So let's stay on the jerk. And then you caught a four-pound fish off of uh, active target. I, oh. I went over. I was like, there's one about 40 feet over there. They're suspended. Twitch, twitch. Oh, he missed it. It got him. Fantastic. And that's the biggest thing that people have a misconception or have the hardest time doing because when you're learning how to fish bait, like jerk baits, you think when you jerk it on tight line, you're getting the most action because you can feel the bait yes. very well. But the biggest thing with the jerk bait is like I found with the stunner, and uh, Bailey might kill me for talking about this. But with the stunner, I found if I have the slack line, the the right amount, like the right amount of slack in that line. When I hit it, I can actually get that stun at a turn almost in a complete 180. It's a cool is, thing to do with it too. Yeah. So, and kind of like progressing here in the jerk bait talk, because the one thing we haven't talked about yet is largemouth fishing on the bays, right? Because there is a very good largemouth oh, yeah. population and yeah, a lot of the bays. Too. I mean, there's good largemouth yeah. in, the, in the harbors and stuff. And, and that's why I wanted to progress here with the jerk bait talk because 
I find with these Lake Erie Bay largemouth and smallmouth, two entirely different cadences catches the largemouth from the smallmouth. With the largemouth, I find they want it very slow and methodical. I would have told that's funny because I was going to say the exact same thing. Yep. Low to mid 40 degree water. So, like, we're talking 42 to 46 degree water. It's like twitch on that slack line, wait eight to 10 seconds, twitch, twitch, real yes. soft. So that bait is just slightly moving, waiting another 10 seconds and give it however you want to do your cadence, but the pause six to 10. 12, 14 seconds when that water's 42 to 46 degrees for the Lake Erie Bay largemouth. And then you can fish that same flat that you're catching largemouth on. You're freaking cracking that jerk bait with like three second pauses. Mm-hmm. The small, you'll smoke it. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's funny how. I think I made this analogy on a podcast before, like a largemouth, like sitting in a sofa, just waiting for a potato chip to fall on his lap, where a smallmouth is a crackhead. Yeah, and they're just constantly tweaking and just like looking for something, you know. What yeah, I mean? it, it's funny. Like in the past week, I've been in the Finger Lakes because our my Lake Erie at my end has just been complete mud. So when I have a day off, it's raining, snowing, blowing thirty miles an hour. So I drive an hour and a half in the snow to go catch largemouth on a jerk bait. And every time I would speed up my cadence, I would catch like a five pound smallie, and I'm like. You son of a gun, it's 41 degree water, and you are hitting this thing like a freight train. But the oh, yeah. smallmouth, like, surprise you. you. They wouldn't even make like your line twitch on slack line. They would just come up, grab it, and sit there, and you go to twitch it. And yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? It's that potato chip reference. It's so funny. And oh, uh, bootleg actually has a really good question here. Favorite jerkbait for largemouth in the 55 to 60 degree range? I'll throw mine out there. I am starting to really like the re-range. It scares me every time I cast it, but I find it's an incredibly Sounds like your line snapping. Oh, like it's like, what? Did my line just break? But they that thing is awesome though. That jerk bait is incredible. Because you Um, can work it still moderately slow, but it's so reactive and jumpy. That it's a really good warm water, even for smallmouth in that 55 to 60 degree range, they're going to jump all over it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say that one for sure. Um, but I mean, it's hard. Like, there's so many good ones. I mean, I still like the Mega Bass. Yeah. You know, it's got its place. I think it's honestly, I think it's losing a little bit of its effectiveness just because everybody throws it, but it still works. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of funny. What is the one jerk bait that has like disappeared from the fishing scene? And I want to see if we have the same answer here because I have some in my box. Disappeared or like that's still good? That's kind of like lost. Yeah, like yeah, like nobody talks about it. The pointer. Yeah, I was gonna say the Where same exact thing. Yep, Lucky Craft Pointer. It, yeah. oh, Chris, I was just going through my box, ironically, yeah. jerk bait box. And I was like, I had some in the bottom, like underneath stuff. And I was like, dude, these are still good. I don't, why don't I throw them as much anymore? Yeah. Smithwick Rogue, I see a couple yeah. of those. Yeah, I used yeah. to love the old, like the early 2000, like when KVD and uh, Aaron Martins were cracking them in Pittsburgh on the old Smithwick Rogues, the suspended ones. I had some of like the pure chrome with the black barbs. Yep. And uh, you put suspend dots on, you can cast those things a mile, but the new ones don't suspend right. Even what with are you suspend talking dots. about? KVD caught him on the Strike King Wild Shiner. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, think, 
I don't think <laughs> no, it was Outback. I'm pretty sure they said that he was on the wild shot over he was throwing a rogue. Yeah, like the rogue was the deal way back in the day. And then we have Chris here with an X wrap. Yeah, dude. People... That thing used to be killer and it still could be pretty good. I mean, I still got them in my box. There's no question. Cause I used to murder them at Prescott on that. Yeah. It still worked. I'm sure. So, I just there's so many other ones that I like that yeah. you, you can catch them on so many different types of jerk baits. It's just funny with like the Lucky Craft pointer. Like you can go pointer, you can go Stazy version two, which I believe was the suspending like micro jerk bait at the time, was smaller yeah. bodied, and it was deeper diving. That was a really good one. The, the plus one junior, yeah, plus one junior. I really like a lot. Jackal squirrel, which you can't find anywhere unless you want to way overpay for it on There's eBay. Ooh, that's a good one key. too. There is more awesome jackal baits that are never appreciated until after they discontinue them than any other mm-hmm. company. Period. It's jackal so comes sad. out with such cool baits. Nobody really buys them, like because they're different or whatever. And then low key, people have been mashing them on them, not talking about it. And then they come yeah. back, and everybody wants to pay fifty, hundred bucks to for them. Oh, Chris wants to know if. He- if we have tried the Nishine jerkbait, I personally have not. I have not but, either. But um, I've heard like it's good, but my, my it just hasn't made Paul, the cut for me yet. Paul Castellano, I'm sure you know that name, Destin. Yeah, I've heard that. But name. um, he loves the Nishine um jerkbait, and I think it's like a 115 smelt or something is what they call mm. it. It is really he's he's sent me some pictures of some giants caught on that thing and oh, i just I'm haven't sure caught one yeah they all work. so here, here's another one that i just got that's almost impossible to find is the not new shimano world minnow yeah i've got a couple those look pretty sick i haven't really got to throw them much but they look till next sick. week <laughs> yeah right it's jerkbait yeah i uh, i want to get my hands on some of those as well and then uh jp Harl, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, says Jackal is the king of discontinuing great baits. And that is a 100% like truth comment there. Hey, but some of them end up bringing it back because there's yeah. so much demand for them after the fact. Like the Jackal bling. There you go. Back with like all these new colors. It, even like some of their soft plastics are incredible too. Oh. And, like it's Frogs, insane. soft plastics, all that stuff. There's yeah. so many good little sleeper baits that people just don't don't really uh, hype up that much. Yeah. So, oh, it's crazy. So now we're done with the jerkbait talking now that we were stuck on it for like 25 minutes, right? So let's move into the fish are starting to get on beds. The water temp is 55 to 65 degrees after mm-hmm. that first big full moon, middle of May. What is your go-to tactic? Where do you look for spawning fish and how do you catch them? So I'm going to look where I'm at. It's a lot of sand. So it's all pretty much hard bottom. Um, But you're going to want to look for sand that's got, you know, some cobble, some, some gravel in it. Cause usually that's what they're going to fan out and, and uh, lay their eggs on. So Mm -hmm. places like that, um, those, there's areas that are more soft bottom, generally not as small mouthy for spawning. Uh, they want a little bit harder bottom. You might find some large mouth in some of those areas, especially up real shallow because it could be a little bit um, 
little bit uh, harder bottom up, up a little bit shallower in some of those like mucky, you know, muddy type type bays. Yeah. But the smallmouth like sand. They like sand. They like a little bit of gravel. Um, you know, in the, in the lake, they're going to spawn on shale. You know, just that's pretty much all there is. Hmm. Um, but they come that's in small sandy places, though. Yeah. Yeah. That, what and that's crazy that they spawn on shale because that's a pretty hard rock. Yeah, well, a lot of times part. there's just like little depressions in the shale, different things that they don't really have a choice because like most of our shore is shale. And wow. it's, it's shale till 20 feet out. You know what I mean? So they, they don't really have a choice. I mean, if there's some chunk rock, it's always going to be good, but little just depressions in the shale someplace they're not just going to get pummeled with wind but that's why most of the fish come in the bays and stuff to spawn because you know it's all dependent on wind direction and, and if you get some spawners coming up we're just the south shore we're pretty much not protected from any wind except south winds so this time of year i mean you know there's a lot of other you know northwest all those kind of winds coming if they're coming up to spawn that can completely ruin it Mm-hmm. It pushes all that muddy water. I've seen it a million times on the lake. And that's why the lake doesn't have as prevalent of a spawn as the bay because, you know, and the bays all around the creeks, the rivers, that you know, all around the Great Lakes and stuff. Um, unless there's, um, you know, other stuff to protect them, weeds. St. Clair's got some weeds, different things there. We don't really have that. It's just exposed shale. And yeah. uh, it's just there's humongous fish out there that spawn. I've caught, I've taken clients out. We've had 29, 30 pound bags. But I tell them if we go out there, I was like, we might not catch many fish, but they're going to be big ones. And it depends on the weather. Like if it gets muddied yeah. up there, it can ruin it big time. 100%. It's crazy though, like on my end of the lake, because we're only talking like 80 miles, 90 miles difference between you and I and Erie and Buffalo, right? So like on my shoreline in Buffalo, because the prominent wind blows all the wind into my shoreline, the fish, we almost never have like main lake spawners, at least what I can find. If we do find beds, they literally drop their eggs, get out with like a day or two and the mail won't even stay because they know it can get muddy quick. All of our big big, big main lake spawners are all on the Canadian side because there's so many bays on the Canadian side oh, up here. It's a lot protected from those northerly winds. Yeah, northerly, southwest winds, west winds, it's all protected. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really messes them up is an east wind. And once we get into like the end of May, we almost never have an east wind. It's always yeah. south or southwest. Yeah, we, it's a little bit different. And you and I have talked about that and Jeff and I have talked about it a lot like in, at length because I'm like, Dude, there's got to be fish that spawn on that south shore because there are here, but our fish don't have a choice. If they live out yeah. there and they don't go in the bay or something, mm-hmm. where else are they going to spawn? I mean, they're going to spawn in bays, harbors, rivers, like, that are protected. And um, there's some fish that just aren't going to swim that far and, and go there. They just spawn out there. But it's it's much more low success rate as far as spawning out there. Yeah. But if it is successful, those are always the biggest fish. Always. Yeah. I've got what a couple of areas where I catch them spawning and, and staging to spawn where I almost always catch a six pounder plus fish every time I go there. Mm-hmm. And I've caught multiple sixes on days, you know, because, and I've seen even bigger ones. 
that just, you know, either followed a bait or something and wouldn't get it. But that's just where they go every year. And it's hard to find those places on the lake. Really hard yeah. to find. Because they're so niche and they'll be like the size of a car. Like there'll be very small, very specific areas where they oh, yeah. actually. I mean, I have it. a spot that's no bigger than this bedroom. This is my daughter's bedroom, but now it's also my quasi fishing room until we get my my garage done. But oh, um, it, like it's no bigger than this. And if you're outside of that, you never get a bite. If you're inside of it, you can sit there and just catch them all day as they're Dialed. staged. Dialed in on Lake Erie and Presque Isle Bay. So if anybody is listening here and want to go fishing and wants to go fishing with Destin, you'd want to book your trip after the spawn because it sounds like he's pretty booked up, slightly like I am. But man, it's gonna be out for next year. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be summer's fun too. Totally different dynamic, but summer's fun too. Summer Destin's gonna be sneaking up to Buffalo to guide. I can already see it. It's like I'm coming, guys. <laughs> I, I love sneaking up there. It's a lot closer now. I love sneaking up yeah. there and fishing with you and Jeff. That's for sure. Yeah. And now the family can come, and Amanda mm-hmm. and Emmy can hang out with Megan and Eva, and we'll all go fishing and get some chicken wings. I can't yes, wait. Yes, exactly. But now, like, we'll finish it up here. We're going the end of spring, right, right before summer, because a lot of the spawning ends at the end of May. So let's go into the post spawn to wrap up here. What is your favorite way to target post-spawn smallies down around the bays and the Great Lakes and Lake Erie and Presque Isle Bay? Where would you look to find those fish first? I mean, you're going to have some fish that kind of just hang around. Um, A lot of times those ones are kind of funky. Yeah. The ones that are pulling off and, you know, staging out on the, you know, the first break, second break. Those that's pretty much my favorite way and most efficient way to to target them. I mean, whether it's you know humps, little drops, ledges, all that kind of stuff with hard spot rock, um, wherever the bait seems to be, depending on you know the the water temp, etc. That's what I'm going to look for. Um, I mean, my favorite way to target fish that are kind of in that mid depth. Definitely a crankbait, um, but more often than not, you got to slow down and drag them, especially mm-hmm. in that post spawn. They're just kind of funky. But if you can drag something real slow, you know, through those areas, whether it's a net rig, drop shot tube, you know, something of that nature, that's that's generally the best way to catch them. Um, it can be slow and tedious, and a lot of times they scatter out a little bit. Um, but that's that's the most efficient way I've found to catch them. But if I can find them on a crankbait, I've had some really, really good days doing that too. It's funny you mentioned a crankbait because my instant thought process, like when they're coming off that spawn and getting, going into that post spawn, it only happens like two or three days a year. But if I'm stuck behind the walls in Buffalo, I can usually get them to eat like a popper or a whopper plopper, like a walking type crazy. Bait. Yeah, it, it, it's the most insane bite in the world when it happens because it has to be like perfect conditions. And unfortunately, it's like the best time to be out in the deep water as you experience. I, was that your first time coming up in June this past spring when that mm. deep water post bomb bite was just going insane? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So that same week, usually right around then, is when I get that post spawn popper bite because there's mayflies everywhere. Yes. And like 
you want to talk about a five and a half pound, 21, 22 inch fish coming up and eating a little Lucky Craft G Splash 70. It's like World War II submarine depth charging for smallmouth coming up and hitting that thing all day long. It is so much fun, but it literally lasts for three days. Mm. And I probably haven't hit it. When was the last time I actually caught a topwater smallmouth? It's probably been four years now. Because I just haven't hit it on like right on the money. I'd still try it, but there's such a little tiny spot where it just explodes. Yeah, I mean, that's not something that I've really got on where we live. And I don't know if that's based on you guys having river current and stuff there or whatnot. Yeah. But a lot of times, too, we have cottonwood really bad post spawn, mm-hmm. and it's hard to fish almost anything shallow because especially like a moving bait because it just gets bogged down the line yeah might be time to throw like a micro topwater popping frog yeah that might be a way to catch it awesome like it's like this big so like let's real quick here before we end let's give the largemouth some love in these bays because you know down in ohio there's a lot of guys who just specifically target largemouth in those bays and every bay has them so in the post-spawn funk, personally, I like to go flipping for them. Any type of like really green vegetation. Oh, yeah. We have some milfoil coontail in our bays. So in reeds and spots, I'm mm-hmm. almost always going big rod flipping for them. Is, are you virtually the same deal? Maybe a spinnerbait? I think um, I think on Presque Isle and a lot of the bays, yeah, it's definitely like a flipping thing. And if you can find them in the grass, they can be really wadded up pretty good. Um, the other thing I, I try not to do as much of what I, I try not to target in the same way as most people do. I like to really target at that brim spawn. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I mean, if you can get on them with a frog sometimes, Sanko just bomb cast, the, uh, you know, like a weightless Sanko, wacky Sanko, stuff like that. Um, chatter bay, swim, like that kind of stuff. Um, cause there's definitely, you know, those bluegill things are starting to spawn, you know, towards that post-spawn bass phase. And uh, you, can, you can get on them pretty good doing that too. And some of them spawn a little bit deeper, and that's where, you know, you can flip them and do all that. But there is quite a few that spawn shallow, and a lot of those really big bass will target mm-hmm. the bluegill and be picking them off of their beds too. Too much fun. Now, popper, well- there, there's your popper too. So real quick, one last question from uh, Bootleg Bass Fishing here. He wants to know what your go-to flipping bait and weight is for post-spawn largemouth. Mm, you know, I think you're kind of be of the same mindset. I mean, flipping a Senko is pretty hard to be. Yeah. Um, it's mimicking a bluegill. It's really, you know, subtle. It's a great way to do it. Um, depending on how deep you are, really, the weight. A lot of times, lighter is good. Mm-hmm. Three sixteens, quarter, something like that. But I mean, if you're deeper, you want to get down there quicker. Five sixteens to a quarter, a half, you know, something like that. That you cannot beat, like, and I'll and I'll reiterate this over and over and over again. And I'm very open about it because I still feel like no matter how much I talk about it, people will not do it. And that's flip a senko from post spawn all the way into the fall the fall it's like my number one go-to bait but if they're on a bluegill spawn you know it's kind of hard and you're you might get mad at me for this one Destin. i found 
the mother load of old black and red package pit bosses from like five years ago when Berkeley discontinued them. Oh, dude, I got so many of those things. If there's something about a pit boss during that bluegill spawn on like a quarter ounce weight that just drive giant largemouth mad. I'm a big fan of the rage bug. Whenever that came out, it was actually the structure bug, and they changed it, the name to the rage bug. But whenever that one came out, that thing can do about anything. It's good mm-hmm. on you know flipping it. It's great. It's really good on a wobble head too. Yeah, I've even caught a lot of small mouse doing that with a wobble head. But there's a lot, so many things you can do with it. And it's it catches them. It's a great bait as well, and it's funny. Like I used to be like probably like four or five years ago, I used to be 100 percent all the time rodent or beaver because Same. you could you could cut the tail and get like some movement out of it or keep the appendages sealed together and it'd just be a straight do nothing fall bait and they would crack it but it's always for me quarter ounce like i'll start light three sixteenths quarter and when i flip i almost never go above half because we just don't get matted vegetation anywhere in new york even in our base where i have to go heavier than half to get it through and I'm a straight floral guy when it comes to flipping as well. 15 to 20 pound test. Same. We will get a little bit of matted up eelgrass and chopped up eelgrass mats because especially the pleasure boats as the, mm-hmm. the year progresses. So you can punch and use some heavier weights, but most of the time early on, nah, you're you're never using more much much more than like a half ounce. Yeah. But I wouldn't rule out like a uh, a power shot either. Power shot is a very, very good presentation for flipping. Yeah, thanks for spilling some juice. I love power shotting. I've caught some really big fish on a power shot um, in tournaments the last few years. Like I'm like, I need a kicker. I'll pick that up and go through the same area that I was just catching them flipping a Senko and usually pick up a really good bite. That You don't get a lot of bites on it, but it's usually a good one. But Absolutely. There's very... And maybe this is like a episode we can do sometime in the future with whoever wants to do it is talk about power shotting because it's such an underutilized oh, technique. Sure. And there's only a few baits that you could really fish on it effectively, in my opinion, because your normal drop shot weights just don't work the same. So yeah. maybe that's a cool little episode idea for later on. But uh, anything else you want to talk about tonight, Dustin, before we uh, let all these awesome uh viewers who tuned in and asked some questions go yeah i'm thankful we've had such good questions a lot of really engaged people and we i appreciate yeah. that i mean it's been been fun we've really gotten in depth on a lot of stuff but yeah um no i mean i'm gonna start guiding here this weekend and i'll guide every single weekend up until the summer and probably a little bit more you know afterwards but um you know, it's it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I haven't been out yet because I've been on the road. And this is generally my second favorite time of the year. I'm a fall guy, A, because there's not as many boats out, and B, because it's just – it's gangbusters. You can catch them on so many different things, and, and it's fun. You know, they get watered up like they do in, in the spring. They're not going to spawn. They're just literally feeding up as much as they can. But spring, they're feeding up to spawn, so – Right now, this window is some of the most fun fishing you're going to have, you know, fishing the Great Lakes, especially like the bays and stuff as they're coming in the spawn. I mean, intercepting them. You can have those 50, 100, 150 fish days this time of year. I mean, I know 
Bailey and Jeff and I had 180 last fall, but I mean, that's totally doable. You can do that this time of year too. And uh, you never know, you might just run into one of those magical days this time of year when all those fish are just filtering through to go to spawn. Cause I mean, sometimes you can side image and see 50 to hundred fish, little dots on the side, you know, because there's so many fish pulling up in these places, you know, getting concentrated yeah. in these little bays and stuff. So and definitely if you find them. They bite yeah. always. They always bite if you find them like that. Yeah, always. For the most part, <laughs> for the most part, we so. do get a lot of pressure. You know, I think we probably get the most pressure of any of these, you know, little bays and stuff off of off the Great Lakes in this time of year. Um, so, so they can get a little stingy, but yeah. I mean, it's almost just always just the timing and right throwing the right bait. And once you figure that out, you can keep catching them. So they're not the smartest fish in the world. For sure. Well, random question here. What is the furthest away license plate on a boat and trailer you have seen come to Presque Isle in the Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think what I have seen. I don't know if I've seen anyone, like, out west or anything. I can't think of any. I mean, we get a lot of Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia – get some quite a few ohio new york and stuff yeah. i can't think of anybody like super super far away really offhand at I, least i've seen texas plates and like alabama here in buffalo in buffalo, oh, in buffalo. Yeah. yeah yeah no i remember you've, you've said like dude i saw these guys from alabama were talking to i was like oh my gosh they go up to buffalo yeah. for like that's crazy yeah they come up for like usually like a week at a time and then like I remember that specifically. I was talking to those guys. This is probably three years ago. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go up to the Thousand Islands next. And it was like the middle of May. I go, don't go bass fishing because they patrol for that stuff up there. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you can't catch them until the third Saturday of June. Didn't they just move it up? Didn't they move it up like one one week? So New York State just flatlined their uh, regulations. So Bass season opener is on June 15th every single year going forward. But and I think Walleye Ontario made it that way too, right? Yep, June 15th. There you go. It's, it's flat June 15th. But St. Lawrence, Jefferson, and there's one other county I can't think of it because it's like five hours away and I never get up there. Um, their season closes November 30th. And to June 15th, you cannot target bass, period, artificial, nothing. And the rest of New York State, we can go catch them all year long on artificial baits. And then Lake Erie, I I don't know if Erie PA does this or not, but New York State on Lake Erie has a trophy season from December 1st. Yeah, we have the So they extended yours to December 1st through the Um, third, well, June 15th. Because ours used to be... May 1st through June 15th, but you can catch them artificially. Yeah, I think ours is somewhat around that because a lot of times we have early season tournaments. I think it changes over in mid-April here, Mm -hmm. and then it goes to that you can keep one over 20 inches. So you can have a team tournament keep two fish, you know, two big ones or whatever, until, you know, mid-June or whatever. Yeah, those tournaments are crazy because – Every time it takes like 14, 16, well, not 16, 13 and a half to 14 pounds to win. You're just like, yeah, it's absurd. Like, I've never caught, like, personally, I think I have one fish over seven pounds I caught on a worm harness, right? Like, it doesn't count trolling for walleye. 
I mean, like, I'm like, that tournament that you and I fished, our two biggest would have been pushing 14 pounds. Yeah, and they weren't even sevens. Yeah. One was like six, eight, nine, I think your six, big one yeah. was. And then I had one that was like six. It was six. pretty dang close because <laughs> we <laughs> held them. We're like, I don't know which one's bigger. <laughs> yeah. That day, like I'm insane. So, it's, but on on that note, um, thanks for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure to have you yeah, here. Man. It's been and, a while uh, since we've seen each other face to face. We've obviously yeah. talked on the phone and stuff a bunch, but yeah, soon I'll uh, have to change. We'll have to get out fishing because we're only like an hour and twenty minutes away. Ish. Yes, so, indeed. Yeah, we well, have hopefully some I'm up in Buffalo next center week. spots too. Yeah, let, let me know what's going on about that. We'll figure it out. Definitely, so, will, man. Thanks for having me. It's, it's yeah. always fun. I love talking smallmouth, especially talking fishing with you because always get into some cool subjects. Yeah, it, it was um, an absolute right, and I can't wait to go catch some on jerk baits. It's all I've been oh, catching on this spring, so I'm like dying to go tomorrow. I have a feeling we're going to blast them this weekend on it. Yeah. Yeah, you will. Uh, Chris here said PIB is almost uh, mm. into the 50s. So that's Jerkbait 101 water right there. So for everybody listening, I'm just going to end it here in a second. Um, we truly appreciate it. If you don't mind, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. If you're a new viewer, uh, leave a comment and a like. We greatly appreciate it. And also, if you uh, listen on Apple Podcasts, if you made it all the way here to the end, please leave us a comment and a review. But for now, we will see you guys on Friday. Thanks, guys. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.